A uterine fibroid is a benign tumor that grows within or near the uterus. It's quite prevalent. Up to 80% of women will have a diagnosis of uterine fibroids throughout their lifetime. Fibroids can differ in size, ranging from the size of a pea or apple seed to watermelons. It's unusual to be able to determine the degree of symptomatology based on the size because the pea-sized fibroid, if it's located in a strategic position, will cause excessive bleeding versus the larger watermelon-sized fibroid, which may have a patient present with no symptoms at all. Hey guys, this week, let me give a warm special welcome to Dr. Heather. Hey, Dr. Heather. Hey, how's it going? You know, it's going, it's going. I have not seen you since you did your feature on Horrible Decisions. If you guys have not yet, that is a wonderful episode where we talk a lot about what you should and shouldn't do with your vagina, which y'all know we mm -hmm. talk about here on Period Sis. Dr. Heather is also the host of her podcast that is now launched. Go ahead and give us the scoop on your podcast and what we can hear from it. So it's Dr. Heather's advisory cervix. It's basically all things sexual and reproductive health. So we talk about anything and everything. I have other experts on, some people. I have midwives. I have doulas. I have people who are in the news. We're just talking about what it's like being a woman, being a woman of color, and all of the things that you want to know about sex and all the things you want to know about if your coochie's okay or not. Not if your coochie's okay. Yep. <laughs> now, <I'm> what, I, <laughs> what I like about your podcast, if you guys really enjoy period sis, Dr. Heather is a board certified OBGYN. Um, so you get more of the educational side of the things that we talk about here on period sis. Um, if you guys have been listening to period sis for quite some time, I just really like to give tales of womanhood. So we're joined every yeah. week by women to share their journeys. And Dr. Heather, although you are board certified and you're in the space, you are also a woman and a woman yeah. of color at that. So mm -hmm. I want to dig into, like we like to do here on this show, your personal journey. And so, and, and kind of also what led you into the medical field in general, of course, knowing that so many of my guests fear going to the doctor right they they fear their results um they also have experienced mistreatment or doctors not believing them and so we'll get into that a little bit later but dr heather you actually are a woman who lives with fibroids and so i i do let's talk about what that journey was like for you how early how soon did you notice something was abnormal about your period and talk kind of walk us through what that was like for you so much like I feel like anybody I talk to, including my patients, we are busy, right? So it's like, you know, you have aches and pains and you like, when I talk to people, I'm like, I just went through life. It's like my periods were heavy for most of my life. I had um, cramps most of my life. So I was just like, this is how this goes, right? When You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, whatever. This is what periods are like. My did mom you, told did, me. I was about to say, did you talk about that with your mom yeah. or any of your siblings? And my mom was just like, yeah, just take some medication and keep moving. You go to school. <laughs> like, go to school. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Because it was more so, too, it was like, you know, especially with illness and stuff. And my mom was, like, working two jobs and going to yep. school and stuff like that. So she was like... 
I really don't have the time for you to be sick. Like, you really don't understand me. <laughs> like, I love you guys, but I'm not trying to, like, So when you know. your periods were so painful with cramps that you didn't even want to go to school? Some yeah, days? some days. Like, and so they they were pretty bad, like, you know, in high school and things like that. Got a little bit better when I was in my 20s. And what's interesting is in my late 20s, I got a an IUD, a Mirena IUD. And this okay. was just for birth control, right? I was okay. like, I was starting my residency. I was like, I need something that's going to like, be in make there sure. for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And make sure I don't get pregnant because, you know, right. and that I don't have to think about because me and pills were special. <laughs> we okay. were special friends who I would take like five at a time and pray to God that, you know, oh I wasn't going to be. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, and that was in med school, so, like, I knew better. <laughs> so, in your so, 20s, you got the IUD. So, yeah, so in my 20s, I got the IUD, and then I was, like, you know, and everything was fine, and I was due for a pap smear at the end of, um, sorry, that's my dog being crazy. It's, it's fine. <laughs> um, I was due for a pap, like, maybe around age 29, right? So okay. I go to see my doc and they're doing the password and I'm like, oh, do you see the strings for my IUD? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, and I'm a doctor, right? Now. I'm in my, my last year of residency and I'm like, bro, you, you better got the look IUD, You got the IUD that was supposed to last how many years? Five years. And you this was year five. four and they okay. couldn't find the strings, right? Like, cause they're supposed to see it in your, in your vagina, right? Right. So I was like, holy shit, right? So then they do an ultrasound, and on the ultrasound, and you have to understand, at this point, I'm a GYN resident at the end of my OBGYN residency, so basically full-fledged OBGYN. And so they're showing me the ultrasound so I can look, because I can read an ultrasound too, and I'm like, is that mine? That's not mine, because I saw the fibroids myself in my uterus. So I was about 29 years old. Wait, but wait. So the ultrasound essentially was just to locate the IUD. IUD, which Did was in see, my uterus. It was in your uterus. It was in my uterus where it's supposed to be. Okay. But like, it was, you know, we were just checking that just to make sure. And then I'm like, what is that? What is that? And I had fibroids and I had wow. one that was actually about six centimeters, which is a decent size. And then one that was about three centimeters that was smaller. And those are the two that we saw. So let me ask you a question then. When you get the IUD, they do an ultrasound beforehand, correct or no? No. Is that not something that's well, done? Not routinely, just because okay. a lot of times, you know, most people are getting them. And if you don't have any symptoms and I mean you have to understand too is that just like when you guys go to the doctor and you forget <laughs> your medical history or whatever and you're like just fine I just came here for whatever like I get that's how I am <laughs> I am just like you so gotcha. when I went in to see my gynecologist I was like yeah I just want an IUD like whatever just put it in oh period's fine whatever keep it moving. <laughs> like, okay. Like gotcha. I wasn't thinking about my symptoms because I had them for so long. I was just like, this is just how my period is, I guess. And wow. I just take ibuprofen. I just take an Advil and push through because now, I don't have time me, to think about okay, it. Okay. Now I need to ask you. So mm -hmm. in terms of pap smears, that's something that is recommended normally as soon as you become sexually active. Mm -hmm. yep. And so 
are ultrasounds something that aren't just a part of a pap smear? I mean, of course it's checking your reproductive organs and making sure everything's mm-hmm. right. I'm I'm confused as to how so many women are missing things like fibroids, PCOS, um, mm-hmm. and all of these things. If many of us are becoming sexually active in our in our teenage years, why so many women are not catching this until their thirties or like you, even your late twenties. Um, what, what do you see as the cause of what's being missed if we're doing our yearlies, like we're told? So, you know what I think it is. And it's something that I've become a lot better with when I have like, and I've kind of, and I think it's because I myself am like this is that I ask a lot of questions. Because okay. a lot of times we don't do ultrasounds unless there's a reason to do them. Because, oh. yeah, like if you tell me your periods are weird, you have pain or whatnot, like, and I even do a few, I feel like a little bit more for especially patients that I feel like are probably not telling me as much. Like, I feel like a lot of my patients are not very empowered to like, speak on things or they dismiss things so they're like oh yeah my period's always been kind of like this or my period's not that heavy and it's not until i do um labs and notice that they're anemic or i do an Ah. ultrasound i'm like yo like do you see what's going in going on inside your pelvis that's when i start realizing you that's when people are able to see things so i feel like taking a good history even if people don't offer it up to you is important because like people come in for their like annuals and they're just like yeah yeah everything's fine just do my pap or just give me my like birth birth control prescription uh, test me for like chlamydia and let's go so let me ask you back to your story then mm-hmm. you noticed the fibroids it's not like they came in to announce that you had them did they assume you already knew they were there because i will say that's what just happened to a friend uh, a homegirl mm-hmm. of mine she goes in and they're like large and she's like i'm 38 years old no one told me ever that i had fibroids how are you telling me and they're like the size of like mm-hmm. we need we want to keep a, an eye on these because you may need to get them surgically removed oh yeah so let's talk about you you're looking at your your own ultrasound and you're oh, like yeah. um I, what are those actually i know what they are what what are we doing yeah, what was the I conversation oh i basically was just like And then this is where I'm also like a lot of other people where I was like, I don't have time for this right now. I really don't have time to deal with this. I'm like, right now, my periods aren't terrible. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, and there's something with fibroids where, yes, we do know that most times they will grow. But if they're not causing you a lot of issues at that particular time, we may not remove them we may just watch them just because like, for example, at that time I was like, Hey, I might want to have kids later. I'm going to probably need these removed and you want to remove them close to when you're trying to have kids, like, because they can grow back. If you don't take your uterus out, they will grow like in many, many people, they will grow back. So, and so did you, you just opted. Okay. I just know they're there, but they're not causing me that many issues. So you just, Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was just like, "Ah," right, I'm just going to leave them alone. But then that's when, and then again, I was just pushing through. I was like, you know, starting off as a freshly minted OBGYN, fully trained, whatever. So I'm there pushing through, like establishing my new practice, taking care of people just like me with fibroids. 
And then I started having symptoms. Like I really did. So my symptoms. What were those symptoms? Yeah. I had, my bleeding was all over the place. Like it was like, I am again, very bad OBGYN. I was like, I was like, I really feel like my periods are coming every two weeks. Right. And I was like, and it's funny cause I would just put it in the app and not even think about it. So I would, I had an app that was tracking and I was just like, whatever. And then I started looking at the numbers and I was like, yup, they are coming a lot closer together. Started getting mm. my period like every two weeks for like seven, eight days. Wow. And I was having pain. Um, I remember this one time I was actually driving to meet my mom to visit my mom and I had to pull over to the side of the road because I was having so such bad pelvic pain. It was awful. And then I was like, and then because I know so much medically, I was like, well, it's, it, I'm like, I, I already had my appendix out where it was. I was like, it's not my appendix. It's not this. It's not that. I don't have a fever. So it's not something that's going to kill me. So let's keep going. You know what I mean? Oh my goodness. Wait, so you were, you were willing to just, even as a doctor knowing mm -hmm. everything, you know, Oh yeah. you were willing to take a period that was painful every two weeks, then take your ass to the doctor and really <laughs> figure out how you could not be in pain every two weeks or be bleeding so often. Well, like what was it? Why was that in your mind to just be like, well, I'm not dying. So I'm just going to be this uncomfortable and in this much pain. So it's just like, I'm sure. And I've heard some, you know, some of the other stories from some of the women you've had on. And it's kind of like when people present you with the options, they don't sound that great. Okay, so what were what did you know your options to be? So I knew my options were myomectomy, which is surgically removing the fibroids, and I was gonna need like a legit one okay. um, because um, by the time I actually did go to get these taken care of, they were very large, and there were more oh. of them. So yeah, okay. I knew, and then I was like, okay birth control pills, which I was like, as I told you, it's hard for me to take because I have to remember that I already had an IUD and remember that it was correct. Um, so there was an IUD, which was not really helping my symptoms. And then there's this one shot called Lupron, which is basically this medication that puts you into menopause while you're on it. It's super hardcore. And super like something I did not want. That sounds to... like chemo almost. Like yeah, it was bad, and okay. I was like, I don't want that. And then a hysterectomy, which is removing your uterus, which I wasn't ready for because I hadn't had kids yet. So wow. I was just like looking at my options, being like, all of these sound kind of awful and things that I don't necessarily really want to do. Um, there's and other well, ones too. I was but... about to say, for the most part, if a woman you know, is told, hey, you have fibroids here. Those are normally the options that are given. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. And there's, and, and I think one of your videos on your Instagram, which by the way, um, I'm going to have it in the description of this episode. If you guys have not yet, it's at Dr. Heather, Heather Irubunda, MD. Yeah. Um, uh, just so much information on your Instagram. And one in which is, in particular was, fibroids is still one of the things that no one knows how you get it, where it comes yep. from. It's hereditary, but there's no, like, there's nothing that a woman can do to prevent getting right. fibroids. Is that correct? Right. 
Right. Because the thing about it is that we do know that their estrogen plays a role in, in it. It okay. plays a role in their growth and things like that. But we're not and we know that there's some sort of um, genetic component. So like if you have family members, especially like your mom has fibroids, which my mom did it. So I don't know. Right. <laughs> but like Somewhere if your mom has the, fibroids, the, the, like the you're more likely trait. to get it. Exactly. Okay. Um, and then. But we do think that there's a lot to do with kind of some of the other factors like stress and Mm. like there needs to be more research done on that end of things because that's why we think it may um, affect more women of color because of this like stressful ass world we live in. <laughs> that we live in. <laughs> that, like really beats us down all the time that that could be part of the reason also why we're more likely to get it than our white counterparts. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Period Sis. I want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. I remember going to an HBCU football game and it was one of the most memorable experiences of my life. Watching an HBCU's team and band bring so much excitement to the stadium, completely packed with fans. It definitely is a once in a lifetime opportunity. The best part about it is that Pepsi is a proud supporter of HBCU students on and off the field. Pepsi and HBCUs, that's what I like. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so Dr. Heather, you did say that you ended up going the surgical route and getting I them did. removed because they grew. They grew can you, and can they you were talk big. About, can you talk about what that part of your experience was like with the fibroid removal? Oh, yeah. So basically, by the time I got them taken out, um, I was having constipation. Like, if you saw how my my uterus was basically like basically like a big bowling ball sitting right in my pelvis. So it was pushing up against my bladder. So I was I, I couldn't go throughout the night without having to pee every hour. Like it was bad. That's when I was like, I have to do something about this because I can't even sleep like through the night. So it was like pushing up against my bladder. It was pushing up against my like rectum. So I was having constipation. I was like having to pee every like hour. Um, I was having oh, pain. That sounds, I was having oh, whatever. yeah, no, that sounds awful. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And so when I went and got it done, first thing I want to say, I had a, a similar situation to many, I feel like people who have fibroids, the first doctor I went to told me I needed to get my uterus out. And I was at the time 35, had no kids and had expressed that I did want to have kids. And they were just like, well, I don't think it's safe and I don't think we can do this. And you need your uterus out now um, because if not, you're going to need a bigger cut on your belly to get it out. Like you should really try to get it out as soon as possible. And they told that to me and I was a full fledged OBGYN. She knew that before she told me that. And I was like, wow, yeah, need a second opinion on that one. 
which I did. And so um, the surgeon who I went to was fantastic. He actually did it mostly minimally invasive. So that's laparoscopic surgery. So it's small yes. little incisions in your belly. And they had to make just a little bigger one to get the fibroids out because they were so big. Um, wow. But yeah, my surgery, which I loved him because he was like, oh, girl, it's going to be out in two and a half hours, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and you're talking to me. I'm like, I'm an OBGYN too. Are you sure? Because I'm like, did you see that? Because I saw it and I don't think it's two and a half hours. Yeah, it wasn't. It was more like five. <laughs> five hour fibroid removal surgery. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. It took them. I had some really big ones and he did an amazing job. I still have my uterus, It, you know, and um, the recovery was rough. Like it was about like five weeks that I was I was out because it was, I had a huge uterus that had to heal. And so, yeah, I was out for the count, y'all. Wow. I guess so now with them being removed and knowing that mm -hmm. they can come back, what now uh, for anyone listening who may have gone through the same procedure, what do your yearlies now look like? How much, what do you ask when you do go to the doctor now? Are you on top of making sure you get ultrasounds? Are you checking closer to what your period is like? Yeah. What, what, what is the post care that you're doing? Yeah. So I've gotten it together. Y'all. <laughs> got so. I've got, I'm also like, you know, one big thing that I always want to tell people is that like, again, I'm very much like all of us here who are busy people, you know, we get caught up with work, we get caught up with our families, we get caught up with all this stuff, but you're not gonna be able to be your best person for your, you know, for your career, for your family, for your friends, for anything, your pet, whoever and whatever it is, if you're not taking care of yourself. And mm. so that's something that I focused a lot more on since I've gotten my fibroids out. And so I do really, I'm very in tune with what my periods are like and I actually use menstrual cups so I have an idea roughly of how much I'm bleeding per oh, wow. cycle which is really good for me to know because sometimes <laughs> objectively I'm like oh my god I feel like or subjectively I should say I feel like my periods are so heavy and then I'm like actually they're not because you're not as because I'm able to I'm able to actually measure it it helps wow. me and also too like when my periods were so heavy and bad like I was having trouble using like even like your biggest tampons and um, pads because I would soak through them so much so I started using menstrual cups then because at least it bought me some more time to do that to you know wow. to like have it in like I wouldn't have to like change my tampon every 30 minutes or an hour I can go longer but now it's more normal and so I definitely am very attuned to my symptoms like if I'm having pain if I'm having bleeding it's, it's so funny I was like um, I started drinking a lot more water. So I was like, oh, my okay. God, it's like, is, are they back? Because remember, I was telling you I was peeing all the time. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was so stressed. And then I realized I had just really upped my water intake that <laughs> week. And I was like, because I was like, I could not do that. It was bad. It was bad when it was like that. I also, for my yearlies, I do get an ultrasound every time. And I do have a small one growing now. But oh, wow. And I had the surgery almost four years ago. So it's expected, but um, I'm definitely very much like, you know, 
I want to make sure that I'm on top of things and I know how things are progressing. I think that's so important to hear. I think, you know, you talking about the fear of even going under the knife and getting them removed to know that four years later, it could be, it's coming back and Mm -hmm. hopefully not to the extent, but to know that it's something that ladies, if, if you are given any sort of information that you have fibroids, that's definitely something a, you want to keep track of. I love that. Now you're a lot more in tune with your period, even to the extent of how much blood is, leaving you on a monthly basis. But I think it's important, ladies, for you to know that even if you go under the knife to get them removed, that it's something that can come back. It's, again, not something that's preventative, unfortunately, for women. And I also, I'm just shocked at how much women are just seen as these reproductive creatures of mankind. And there's still so very little known about mm-hmm. our reproductive system and the things it's that affect so it. It's so true. It's so true. I keep telling people that. Like, if you think about all of the things that we know about women and our bodies, it's only a short period of yeah. time in the whole history of man that we actually know anything about it. And so there's so many things. Like, if you think about all of the things that affect people, endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, just chronic pelvic pain, how the hell we get pregnant for real, for real. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we need, we like don't know enough about it. And it's nuts. It's it, nuts. It really is. It really is. Now, for what you said your symptoms were and what you said the possibilities for, you know, surgery or getting rid of or, or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. Um, we talk about, a lot of these symptoms often when they come to periods and as a doctor, can you run down the actual, if there, and I would assume there's a difference since they're named different things for, for things that we talk about often on this pod include fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, and ovarian cysts. Mm -hmm. Can we discuss what the distinguishing difference would be between those four? Um, And I know that this is now getting you really into your school bag, (laughs) But I know that there is a difference. However, when we talk about it, it seems to be a lot of the same thing. How are they diagnosed differently? Okay, so I'm going to talk about the difference between fibroids and ovarian cysts really quick. Okay. So fibroids are within your uterus, okay? So you have your uterus, your fallopian tubes, which are like the arms with the little (laughs) fingers, and then you have um, your ovaries, right? So within the body of the uterus... um, And in the muscle of the uterus is where you get fibroids. Basically, it's like one of those muscle cells goes really crazy and replicates itself. It's a tumor, non-cancerous tumor, but it is a tumor. And that is inside your uterus and they can grow really, really big, right? Yes. Um, And usually the symptoms of that pain, bleeding, and then less common. But some people have it like bloating. They see their belly gets bigger, pain with sex. Um, constipation, like issues with urination, urinary frequency, as I was telling you about, and things like that, right? So that's fibroids. 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 Ovarian cysts are on your ovaries, ovaries. Okay? okay? Those little things on the side, right? And basically, ovarian cysts 
occur because every month you ovulate, right? And mm-hmm. uh, um, and basically a small cyst or a follicle is created, that's the dominant one, and then it's supposed to burst and release the egg, that's ovulation. Some months that doesn't happen in women who have ovarian cysts and it just grows and grows and grows and grows, gotcha. okay? And these cysts can be are usually filled with just like kind of a water-like fluid. Sometimes they can even have blood in them. Sometimes there can be other reasons why you develop a cyst, but the main ones are the ones that are filled with either fluid or blood and they can rupture at whatever size so they can get really big as well and if they rupture they can it can be really painful because that fluid that's inside this is is very irritating to your pelvis and your abdomen right and especially if it's big and there's a lot of fluid it can be very painful because it's even more of that fluid that comes out um also if you have a cyst that's large enough enough it can actually cause your ovary to twist on itself because it kind of weighs it down and that's another thing that can happen and that can be extremely painful that's called ovarian torsion and that can be a surgical emergency because when the ovary twists on itself it actually twists on its blood supply and cuts off its own blood supply and so some people end up in the yeah some people end up in the or for that i was gonna say are either of those deadly um so okay in terms of the cyst part like so fibroids aren't deadly they're just very awful and then also it's more so if you like really yeah it's painful you can be really anemic things like that it's just it's just not pleasant right terms of ovarian cysts could be in modern times not really because we have medical care we have you know play you know surgeries and things like that but in places where you know back in the day in places where you don't really have good medical care um if there's blood in that cyst and it bursts and you're just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and bleeding you can bleed out and that could be really bad that doesn't that like never happens anymore um because people just go to a doctor well before that um or with ovarian torsion when your ovary twists around its blood supply and cuts it off like that can make you really sick over time but again people go to someone would normally catch yeah like you catch that way beforehand okay and then the difference as well before we get out of here endometriosis and pcos Okay, so endometriosis, so we talked about the uterus, right? And inside, um, there's a lining of the uterus. That's the part that sheds every month. That's Mm -hmm. your endometrium, right? So that's the only place in the body that it's supposed to be found, okay? That Uh lining is only supposed to be found there. With endometriosis, that like cells from that lining are found in other parts of the pelvis, okay? Usually it can be on the ovary, it could be just on the lining outside of the uterus, but because it's found there, it's also hormonally active. So you know how we have Uh, a cycle where um, you bleed every month. Those little spots of endometriosis also bleed. They're not hemorrhaging. It's not like you're going to die. But, like, again, that little bit of blood that's coming out of there, very painful to your pelvis. And it can cause scarring and all kinds of stuff, right? And so that's why people have um, painful periods. Sometimes they have pain outside of that. They can have issues with fertility, things of that nature. Spotting, all of that. Spotting, that kind of stuff. PCOS. 
PCOS is um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Basically, your little ovaries here. It's actually not well described in terms of exactly why it happens. Right. But we think it's actually because you're, I always tell my PCOS patients they're too female because we actually think it's because your estrogen levels are so high, your body's mm. trying to figure out what to do with that, right? And so basically it stimulates your ovaries so much you get a whole bunch of little follicles or cysts. So that's where the polycyst comes from. Yep. That estrogen also affects that lining of your uterus um, that I was talking to you about, the endometrium. So instead of it being like a cyclical thing where you like bleed, you don't bleed, you bleed, you don't bleed, you ovulate, you don't ovulate, because your estrogen levels are so high in this case, your body just, your, your endometrium just sees a whole bunch of estrogen. So it builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. And then all of a sudden you have a period and it's heavy and it's gotcha. painful and it's awful and it's irregular because your, um, your hormones are not like cycling. They're, they're just high. When I tell you, I don't think anyone else could have explained that as well as you, Dr. Heather. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like I really get it now. Um, again, I have all these conversations so much. And before I get out of here, something that I told you I for sure wanted to talk about is as you being a black woman doctor, um, let's talk about you now wanting to make change in what you see as going wrong in the healthcare field or things that you've noticed that you spoke out against, um, specifically for women and you being an OBGYN, I think that it's important now that we all feel safe with going yes. to the doctor. And again, having these conversations, I think definitely push pushes us to go in and ask more questions than maybe we normally would have. What have you taken a stance on in wanting to see change in the medical field now that you're a part of it? Yeah, my big thing is making sure that we actually are listening and engaging with our patients because it's easy to say that, but to truly do it is different because what I notice, especially, it, you know, being a doctor in a community of color, I still work, I'm from the Bronx, I work in the Bronx, you know what I mean? Like, and just being in these situations is that a lot of times I've seen doctors with different backgrounds than myself feel like patients that look like me can't understand their bodies as well or understand what's good for them or what's not good for them. And to me, that's a problem because it's like you're totally disregarding what we, number one, that we're capable of understanding things because I'm like, we all are. And it doesn't matter. It's like I talk about my auntie all the time. She was in her 80s. She didn't have much formal schooling, but brilliant person. You know, she read books. She knew things. She watched TV. She could hold a conversation. She could understand things. You can, ta you can teach her something. You can teach anybody something. So I don't think it's appropriate to say just because, you know, I'm a black woman from the Bronx or, you know, I didn't go to school or whatever the case may be, that I'm not able to understand what's going on with my body. It's not fair. So that's why I'm really big on, you know, talk to people like they're your equal, 
for real. And like, if you, they don't understand you, that means you, you shouldn't be blaming the patient. You should really actually be looking back towards yourself and say, what can I say or how can I say it that will make people understand what I'm trying to say? And so I, I have that conversation a lot with my colleagues. Additionally, no, understanding what our values are, right? So like, we may not value the same things, right? Like me, you, me and whomever, and that's okay. But like under, making sure that people truly are informed and um, understand how, the, how whatever treatment or whatever diagnosis could affect their lives and their value systems are so important. And so that's something that I really fight to get my colleagues to understand is that just because someone has different values than you or different um, ways of belief or different or from a different culture doesn't mean that it's wrong or invalid. It means that, you know, we need to figure out how to make sure that person lives a healthier life. And so and I feel like it happens so much with women of color, with black women all the time, where like people make us feel like we don't care about our bodies or we don't care about our health because we're just like, I, I just don't want to do that thing that you're telling me. <laughs> like, Can you tell me other things that are helpful? Dr. Heather, we definitely have to bring you back onto Period Sis to talk more about all your knowledge of the medical space. And even though y'all know science is science, but (laughs) we know how you feel about science. Listen, listen, I just love that you were able to break things down. Again, there is so much still that we need to learn and know about our bodies and not one person's story is like the next. So also for you to share your personal story with fibroids, Dr. Heather, again, just thank you so much for joining me here on period sis. Where can my audience get some real professional conversations and when does your podcast drop? Please let them know so they can head on over to your show. Yeah. So y'all need to come on over to Dr. Heather's advisory cervix. It's on every Wednesday, new episodes. We talking about literally everything. I answer (laughs) questions for, you know, your friend or maybe you, whoever it is. I got a fact of the week. It's always fun. We got a lot of cool guests on there. My mom is going to be on it. So y'all definitely (laughs) got to listen. She old and she Jamaican, so she fun. (laughs) and um also you can follow me on instagram and tiktok i'm at dr heather irobunda md on both platforms i'm always struggle twerking to teach y'all something so come through we always have a good time i love it Dr. Heather, thank you so much. And as you know, all of that information will be in the description of this episode. So go on over and just click details for this episode and check out all of Dr. Heather's links. Dr. Heather, again, I want to thank you so very much for joining us here on Period Sis. Yay, thank you for having me. My patient care philosophy is treat each patient individually where you meet them. If they're totally asymptomatic, we're going to take that watchful waiting approach. If a patient is symptomatic, then I know that I can improve her quality of life, whether it be with a medical approach, procedural approach, or surgical intervention. That's how I approach each patient individually. Hey 
guys, hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Period Sis. I want to thank all of you who constantly tune in week in and week out. And also want to give a huge thanks to Dr. Heather Irobunda. I am hopefully going to have more conversations with her and I am looking forward to that. I want to wish everyone a happy holidays and a happy new year. Also, thank you to Pepsi for sponsoring this week's episode of Periodsis, as well as the Official Box Owner. Make sure, again, you guys go on over to officialboxowner.com and join our mailing list. Follow us on Instagram at officialboxowner, and also follow us on Twitter at oboxowner. Thank you guys so very much for rocking out with me and tuning in to yet another episode of Periodsis. Happy, happy holidays once again. And until next week, this has been another episode. Bye, guys.